everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Got a good episode coming up for you today. We've got Lanny Hussey from Lanny Hussey's Custom Cars out of uh, Vancouver, BC, just outside of Vancouver, BC, up in Canada. So if you don't know who Lanny Hussey is, you should do your homework. He's put out plenty of cars over the past few years. Some that come to mind right off the top of my head is Darren Dilly's 55 Ragtop, uh, which came out in November 2006. And then also followed up in 2009 with Joe Cormier's 68 fuel-injected 500-horsepower street cruiser. Both some pretty intense rides, and uh, by all means, go back through your back issues, check them out. Highly detailed, uh, some of the best cars built out there in the VW scene. So uh, Lanny Hussey is the Buddy Hale of Canada, or, you know, he's another high-level detailed car builder. Uh, that's on par with all those other guys out there building cars. So Lanny's also a pretty cool cat. He's in a band called Trailer Hawk. So if you get a chance, go ahead and support Lanny. Help support the VW guys out there. Uh, go to Spotify and request the music for Trailer Hawk and uh, give them a listen. Americana kind of rock and roll group. Uh, real uh, kind of gritty sound. So check them out. You can also check out their uh YouTube pages, I'll put a link to in the details of the podcast, as well as their Facebook page and also some links to their music on iTunes. So if you get a chance, support those guys out there, support the VW family out there and their other passions that they pursue. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Um, let you guys know about some up- upcoming events. So I'm going to be at the Huntington Beach buses on the pier. I'm going to drag the Bull Run bus down there and I'll have some stickers to give out. I also may have some t-shirts and some hats for sale possibly. So I'm working on some stuff with a shop here in town trying to get some stuff produced. So uh, get those things out there. You guys can help support the podcast by buying a t-shirt or a hat. Uh, got a couple of cool different logos. So you'll be able to see those. Don't forget to go to our podcast page on iTunes podcast. Rate, give back some comments, uh, some feedback on podcast. Uh, what we'll start doing is every month, whoever goes on there and gives some feedback or some uh, gives us five stars on our reviews, we'll go ahead and uh, take the, the names from that month and we'll select some people and set them out a t-shirt and some stickers so make sure you guys get on there uh and also like our facebook page follow us on instagram help promote the podcast you know somebody that you think should be listening to this go ahead and forward them a copy of it it's real simple go down your apple phone while you're listening to the podcast hit the three dots on the bottom it'll say share a podcast hit share a podcast throw it through a text message send it out to your vw buddies out there hopefully they'll give it a listen you guys are hopefully getting a lot of information and behind the scenes stuff on some of the top level people that are making stuff happen in the vw scene All, uh, on our facebook page feel free to jump on there and give us some feedback as well as maybe some people you guys want to hear from that you guys want me to interview i'm working on a couple interviews hopefully have them out in the next um, few months uh, some pretty some pretty good interviews with some well-known people in the vw scene that have produce some benchmark type vehicles hope you guys are appreciating the podcast hope you guys are enjoying it i'm enjoying doing it so uh, without further ado let's uh, go ahead and listen to the interview here with lanny hussey from lanny hussey's custom cars out of canada later Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. We've got uh, a friend from up north, uh, Lanny Hussey. I'm sure you've seen his cars in Hot VWs, uh, several cars featured that he's built. Um, Lanny Hussey's with Lanny Hussey's Custom Cars, and he's out of Burnaby, B.C., 
up in Canada. So I wanted to uh, welcome Lanny to the podcast. Hey, Lanny, welcome to the podcast. Hey, great to be here. Hey, so uh, I'm sure you've heard an episode or two of the podcast. And yes. kind of the way that it rolls is we just kind of first start talking about you know, we're all in this in the scene together and of built, um, and we'll kind of get in a little bit of detail on those cars down the road. But you'll remember a white 55 that came out in 2006. It was built for Darren Dilly, and it was super unique, fresh white paint. And then I think everybody really remembers the velocity stacks that had the uh, machining inside them. So that's and a lot yeah. of red anodized on that car. And then a couple of years later, in 2008, he came down to the VW Classic and debuted. Joe Cormier's 1968 Beetle, which had around five, a little over 500 horsepower at the rear wheels, fuel injected, decked out, black on black, 1968. So um, grab your hot VWs, go back, take a look at these cars. You'll also see the pictures on the YouTube channel. But these are phenomenal cars, uh, spec level builds that are that are untouchable. So um, I'm stoked to have Lanny on the podcast. And uh, Lanny, as you kind of know. The first thing we kind of get into is, is how you started. So how did you get into VWs? Uh, my dad bought a uh, Beetle brand new in 1969. So yes, I was alive. I was, uh, I was about three years old. So I remember getting in the, into that car. He flipped the seat forward and I climbed into the back and drove home in those seat belts, of course. And uh, he kept that about 10 years. And then my brother and I got our hands on it and and uh yeah i made a mess of it so it was savannah <laughs> beige 69 brown interior yeah oh, and wow. then uh and then uh just after high school around 85 i got my first one which is a 70 and then i went moved into 67s and had a few and, and kept going on and on from there which i just lose track of how many so and so down here in the states you know <laughs> we're, we're kind of used to uh you know and I'm sure I would think in Canada it'd be pretty much the same. Like in the, in the 80s, the VWs and the mini trucks were kind of all the scene. Yeah, oh, it was massive. And kind of what was cool here in, in high school and whatnot, and then some of us kind of got into it then and then evolved into getting into it a little deeper level, level later. So tell me about the scene up there. How was the scene when you're coming up into the scene? I mean, are they following the same trends that are that are cool down here in, in the States? You know, white eight spokes on a white car and color-matched wheels and tires and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, but I think it was probably a little bit, uh, a few years delayed. Um, because I remember still around 85, there was, you know, there was a car that was cruising around, Mulholland look, you know, Vega taillights, all that <laughs> stuff. And that was pretty, people were like, oh, that's pretty wild. Cherry. Um, but yeah, but before that, I can backtrack a little bit. The first time I saw a cow look car was in Buena Park in 1981 uh, when I was down there with, with my family. And it was a, a red, I think a 68 or 69 sitting out in front of the Buena Park shopping center. And my brother and I looking at it and it, it I think it had alloys on it. I know it had Vitaloni mirrors, yeah. really low, never seen anything like it. And that was what started it absolutely so so bmx racing got in there and then and then guitar got in there around you know 1981 82 and uh and went from there but getting back to the point the um the scene the scene was really strong back then because of the uh the bug in in seattle um seattle's only two and a half hours from here so they had the racing and big shows and just massive massive events so yeah. I first went to that in 85 and I've been pretty much every year 
uh, since then. Nice. So, yeah. so you, so you guys being in, in BC, a lot of the stuff spilling over from the Pacific Northwest was kind of coming over. What was cool in, in the States was oh, yeah. kind of cool with what you guys had going. Oh yeah. We, yeah, we had a pretty good, good sense of uh, what was happening, you know, especially compared to the rest of the country, which is under, you know, feet of snow. We were, we were kind of in our little pocket here and we, a lot of people drive, will drive the cars all year too. Yeah, and and so we know now that you that you're really heavy into VW restoration. I mean, you're one you're 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 one of the top guys, if not the top guy in BC that does VW restorations. I mean, you build unbelievable, fully detailed, phenomenal cars. How did Thank you get you. your start in doing restorations and doing car builds? Did it start as a hobby, or how did how does that evolution come about? Uh, well, mid '80s, I built some cars for myself, and I've. Um, you know, a, a couple of 67s and then a 64 right-hand drive Australian Beetle, which was in wow. VW Trends, like around 1990 or so. Yeah, it's crazy. So, um, and then, and then from there, I just, uh, I had people approach and say, well, can you, can you do a paint job on my Beetle? And okay. So I rented some shop space from a, a local body shop and then just, started uh started doing it on my own see at that point i was still i was much heavier into music also so i'd yeah. be on tour and i'd have to have some type of a flexible um job situation so i'd rent a, a part of a shop do like a you know 79 convertible i did i did jeff peterson's uh 59 bug that he still has oh, uh, yeah. you know bo mostly body and paint back then but then, you know, some more people were like, well, build the whole thing. So I, one after another. I, and honestly, I don't know how many cars I've built. I've, it's endless. So, I tried to so, make a list, but uh, I don't know. So you're a guy that's pretty good with your hands and multi-facets <laughs> multi of play guitar, band. We'll, we'll get to talking about the band. The band's Trailer sure. Hawk, right? And we'll, yeah. we'll get to talking about the band and kind of get into what you're into. But So you were playing in bands, making money yeah. touring on the road, and then you'd come mm -hmm. off the road, and then to fill your off time – you're building cars and doing that kind of stuff. Yep, exactly. Yeah, we were the band I was in. We were signed to Capitol Records, like a full deal, going on the tour buses and then come back and, you know, putting on the hazmat suit and sand oh, and primer. All right. You know what? What band? <laughs> so, what band was it? So you guys were signed uh, to a band, Capitol Records. Yeah, what bands? Yeah, the band was called Ginger, which is, um, which was an offshoot of the band The Grapes of Wrath, which were quite a, quite a. Um, uh, successful band up here in the late 80s and 90s and nice. you know we had our fun and it was uh it was a great experience but but it was it was pretty cool to be able to do both you yeah know what i mean yeah, yeah absolutely be able to follow both your passions i mean i i, I think those are uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's a generational thing or what, but I know I'm heavy into music. Wish I could be talented enough to play an instrument. I mean, I think I I uh, tried to play bass for a short period of time, but couldn't keep rhythm. And I really just I just I just like I just love music more than anything else, you know. And I think it kind of goes hand in hand in that generation of people that have you know nice cars, and it's kind of that whole package to life. You know, cool cars, great music, and just yeah. everything kind of fits together. So, um, so. When you're coming up in that time, side note, you're, what kind of music you into back then? Rock and roll, punk rock? What, what are you into? Well, it's not much different back then. What I've always been into is always, you know, we started out listening to, I saw U2 when I was in high school in a theater, and it was fantastic. That changed everything. Get, you know, anthem rock and little serious stuff. And then yeah. started to get a little bit more folk, 
a little bit of um, kind of alt country in Americana, that type of thing. And it's kind of always stuck, you know. So the stuff we're doing now is is Americana, but a little heavier than that. So, but never, yeah, no. I never, yeah, never no, any, a, that... never any metal or anything like that. For some reason, I bypassed all that stuff. So. Well, I, and I, and it's probably because you you actually play music, and so it's it's interesting because a lot of musicians, you know, you have like. I was in someone's house the other day and I saw Joe Saturani picture and it's like that he's the musician's musician. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Britney Spears is selling millions of records and he's the musician's musician. So there's always that, that dichotomy of like the musician's ear where you can hear the technique and the difficulty of what someone's playing that gets lost on some of us that are just avid listeners. But yeah. you know, yeah, I think, that's you know, exactly, that's very well put. I listen to music in a different way than, than a lot of people I can, I can dissect it and that's, that's good. And that's bad, you know? Yeah. Listen, it's got both, it's got both its parts, but you know, without question, I think, I think all overlaps into really a lot into the automotive thing. You know what I mean? Because with cars and types and styles, there are cars and there are car collectors and there's many different variations of types and genres and, and, and tempos and feels of different types of stuff. And, and one of the great things about it all it comes down to, from, from my perspective, is it's art in both ways. You know, you've got your musical art and you've got your physical art with your cars because, you know, yeah. building these cars, there are so many cars that, especially the cars that you've done, they, when you see the cars that you've done, especially when you're looking at Darren's white car or the black 68, those cars stand on their own. You know, you, you see the car and it's seared in your mind and it doesn't kind of get lost like, Oh yeah, it was, I think it was orange with Porsche alloys on it. Not quite sure what the, you know, what the details were on it. But when you see the cars that you build, there's such a common thread going through these cars of like what I really, you know, you had Derek build for some of the machining and then the red anodizing and the thread that fall the way through. And then you saw with Joe's car, the technology undertones of that car, which was yeah. just phenomenal because it was like a guy who took a Volkswagen where most people won't take a Volkswagen. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, that one of the big secrets with that, or both those cars, and, and virtually all the cars I do, is you, um, I have to get the customers to understand what, um, what they want it to look like, and 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 virtually all the features before it even gets underway. I choose the wheels. I choose the, uh, the kind of the way it sits, um, tires, ride height, um, and then and then an aesthetic, so that I try and avoid um crossing over you know like a moon eyes type thing here and then a billet here and white walls yeah. here and you know what i mean they try to keep it um some continuity through it and i and i have great customers that listen to me and and i'll just you know if there's a style cue that they say well i want to put this on it i'll go uh you know what i don't think so yeah it's not it's I'm, not trust me it's not gonna look right like you know? you've hired me so, for a reason let, yeah. let 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 me paint you just pick the colors let me paint you know but yeah, exactly. uh exactly no i i i think it's unbelievable the amount of detail and and one of the things we've been talking about uh, on the podcast a lot because i've interviewed quite a few guys that are in the scene making things happen because this is what's happening in our time right now, especially in the VW scene. And I would say now versus 15 years ago, the level of detail on cars is far, super, far surpassed what it was 15 years ago. I mean, yeah. 15 years ago, it was like nice wheels, good paint job, shiny engine, and you're done. No one's looking at the wiring. No one's looking at the, mm. you know, the level of details gotten so finite. I was having a conversation with, 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 um, 
someone and, and, and we talked about when you walk up to a Volkswagen, there's two impressions you get, you know, when, when you're seeing the two different details, you'll see one that's like, oh, that's a nice stock restoration. Or you walk up and you just buy the fit, finish, polish and detail. It's almost like a work of art that you've seen. And, and I think seeing those those details, the, the, the button head outs, the polish, the anodized, the washers, the, all the little details that typical people in the process of restoration overlook, when you see those details, it brings you back to the car thinking, wait a second, this car is built another level. And you start doing that Easter egg hunt. Like, okay, what did they do yeah. that I'm not going to catch? You know, and, and, and that's, what's really exciting about the scene because what's so funny is for the past 50, 60 years, these are the same little beetles. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not, and, not and, a lot of variety, but it, yeah, it's the little details that make the difference for sure. You, you, and, and that's what I love about this hobby is that it, it, the platform is basically basic and the level, the, the cars are this huge blank canvas and we kind of make them with wheels, stance, detail, motor, all these different combinations. You take these things everywhere they go. Now, question for you, do you have a car? You know, I had the I had my '67 for a long, long time. So that that car debuted in 2007. So that was the one that was originally in Hot VWs, and it was pearl white. Okay. It was kind of it had Berg linkage and uh, BRM style wheels, and it was a, a nice little sleeper. So I had that for quite a few years, and then uh, 2005, I I had a mishap with the front end, so I tore the car apart and redid it sepia brown. So then that took a couple of years to do in my spare time. That was, you know, have, you know, young kids at that point too. And then debuted that at the classic in 2007. Um, and I don't know if you've got any, any pictures of that one, but that was, uh, we can get something together, but that car yeah, we'll, we'll hunt was, a, was a great example of, of getting underneath the car. Cause it was basically a stock body, but there was really subtle details all underneath. But then I found, unfortunately that it was, too nice to drive like it was all painted underneath and and then little kids and it just sat i never touched it so i was like okay so i i put it up for sale and it's in paris or somewhere in somewhere in europe now it went to paris initially oh really yeah oh, wow. yeah and, and it and it had a you know it had a bird five in it and and a 200 horse 2275 and it, it was it was quite a car, but that was the car for myself. But then after that, it just, it wasn't actually, you know, right after that, I bought a vintage boat. And so, so then uh -oh. I got in. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. you know what boat stands for, right? Yeah, oh yeah, I sure do. Boat, and then boat, yeah. boat stands for bring, bust out another thousand. Yeah. Bring on another thousand. <laughs> so, yeah. but, but where we live is, is really close to the ocean. I can, I'm, I'm you know, 10 minutes from the dock. And so bounced through a couple different boats. And now this we have an a, ocean, an ocean yeah. Boat. Oh yeah. We're out in the ocean. Yeah. And the salt. Yeah. So, wow. and that's, it just seems to be better with the family. You know, I've got three young kids and what are you going to do? Yeah. Take them to a car show or take them out in the well, water and go. Well, you know? I, I tell you sometimes that selfishness pays off. Cause I used to, I've got pictures of my kids, my four kids. I used to, it was probably, um, 2000 i brought my savannah beige 67 street bug to the classic one year um 
because it was like, everybody's tired of seeing the bus. I didn't have the crew cab done yet. And I was just like, I just want to take something different. So I brought my 67 bug and I jammed my whole family in it. And I've got a picture at the classic parking lot, you know, at the Irvine, uh, the crown mm-hmm. plaza. And I've got three of my kids sitting on top of my bug. And it's funny, my, 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 I've got an 18 year old and a 17 year old and 13 and, and 10. And you know, my seven, my 18 year old, my oldest son, he's like, man, I sure do miss going to the classic. I'm like, you must go to the classic. You used to whine like nobody's business to go there. <laughs> yeah. My 13 year old boy says to me, he goes, man, I really wish I would have appreciated the classic when we would go to the classic because it was such a good time. And now obviously because the classic currently is no more, which hopefully that this will get, you know, kind of gelled back together. But, yeah. uh, so you've been, you've been coming down, um, You've been coming down to Southern California quite a bit for a few years for the shows. Oh, Uh, yeah. You know what? Honestly, uh, 97 was the first time I had a car at Irvine. The white white Beetle, I drove it all the way down there. Did you really? 25 hours, yeah. The detailed Will Wells. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Me and a buddy of mine and uh, stayed for a couple weeks with my cousins. I have family down there. So, and then, um, uh, and then. I think maybe a couple years in there, in the in the twenty years, I missed it, um, just with other obligations. Uh, like I didn't go last year, but I went the year before. Um, yeah, we're 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 definitely down a lot. So we'll be down again this June with a with a new car with a fifty five. Uh, yeah, we're gonna debut. So. So you're working on yeah. so you're working on a 55. It's gonna be another a, a Lanny Hussey build that's coming out that's gonna devastate yeah. some people, I'm sure. Well, it's you know what? It's subtle. Uh, Aaron Broughton will really like it. <laughs> you know, it's uh yeah, it's a it's a subtle car, but when you get underneath it, uh, it's it's pretty pretty nice. I mean, it's not it's not built to impress people, but if you if you understand what you're looking at. And you see some of the some of the tricks and the and the cleanliness underneath, and just the overall. Um, I hate the word stance, but just the way it kind of sits, and 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 of course the back tires will turn some heads, you know. They, yeah. Uh, you know they have tread, but they're a slick. I mean, you figure that one out. So. <laughs> well, I, I'm ex- I'm excited to see it. You know that I think that's one of the things as as not only a hobbyist and enthusiast, but one of the things that we really look forward to. I think that's one of the greatest things about our hobby is when we come to a show and we see cars that are being debuted because it's the coolest thing. It's what's replaced when we get old enough to actually drive to a car show, go out of state, do these types of things. It's kind of replaced waiting for next month's magazine to come out, like to see what's cool and new. And then to be able to go to the classic where everybody debuts their stuff or the classic weekend or the Southern California weekend or whatever they want to try to call it now. But that place where they debut the cars has become it's become such a fun deal to come down there and see that and then kind of look at the car, look at it again, especially because like I, we're talking about the level of details gone crazy to sit back and try to figure out, okay, what am I not seeing that's done here? Because there's so many things now that they do that are subtle little tweaks. To speak about that, when l- let me ask this question first. What car did you see that was mega detailed that like said, okay, Time for me to kick it up a notch. Like what, because that's kind of the thing, you know, better musicians push other musicians and, and, and car builders push other car builders. And you kind of see that. I don't say it's less, it's less of a competition thing and more of an inspiration thing. That, that would have been Aaron Broughton's car. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, um, uh, buddy's split that he built the blue. 
Yeah, for Randy, Randy's car. Yeah, the Randy Gates car. So I remember that at the uh, wasn't at Nick's. It was at the other one, uh, that uh, that other burger place. But yeah, I remember yeah. that sitting there and went, oh boy, oh geez, look at this. But before yeah. that, you know, it was probably 90, 97 when I had my car out in the classic. Um, I was parked right beside the burglar. So yeah. So I remember yeah. you know, and I looking at that, and and, and uh, that was quite something. And backing up a little further, it would have been uh, Schwimmer's car, and he brought it up to Seattle. So we, he, uh, I think three or four cars came up back then, around 1991, and he had his uh, his Coral car there. Yeah, we never never seen anything like it. And right. Of course, it looks exactly the same now. But you know, you think of '91, that's right on the tail end of the of the stripes going up across the back and the, you know, the different colored MP8s and the, you know, all yep. the, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of kind of silly styles, but, uh, and to see that refreshing, uh, detail car was great. And then also in 90, back to 97 is when I had my car there, I went to the Berg rally and this was quite a, quite a novelty. And I'm seeing all these famous people, at least famous right. in the VW world. Yeah, yeah. And there's, um, uh, Jim Kaforsky and he's parked right in front of me with his 63 that had just been finished. And I just, Oh, I couldn't believe it. And I actually sheepishly went and talked to him, you know, and it, <laughs> that's pretty cool. So that, but it's, you know, it's, it's, but it's awesome because, you know, to some degree you see a car and the car becomes surreal. And then you're like, man, I just want to talk to the guy about, you know, where his inspiration came from or where he'd get up with this idea. Cause, cause the great, pieces they're all the same headlights but you see one guy do something different it has like headlights and it's so simple and understated yet it's so conventionally different you know um you know and i I think that's one of the awesome things about going there seeing these cars in person and i mean it's 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 one thing to uh be an enthusiast to build a car in the garage it's all it changes your world when your car gets in the magazine for the first time like it's yeah it's this dream realized and then it just it it just continues to to perpetuate more excitement going to the shows and and then you you build a car they think like oh i should do something different to my car you know what i mean it's like you you have these these things where you think like okay i'm finally done but really most cars are almost never done there's always something one more thing you want to do to it so Mm -hmm. so now let's get into um what you're doing now, you, so you're you're running full restorations. You've got your shop at your place, and yeah. you're you're doing full restorations now. To what detail are are you doing all aspects of it? Are you doing disassembly, assembly, bodywork, metalwork? What what to what limits are you doing work, and and what's your ideal uh, customer bringing you for a project to start with? Okay, well, so for instance, the fifty five I'm doing right now. It's it's almost finished. This was um, an old friend um, who uh, we would we would bump into each other every so often. He said, "Well, I want to do an oval sliding sunroof." So he said, "Let's do it." So we get on the Samba, start looking for cars, didn't find anything. Found one in Seattle on, the, on Craigslist. So negotiated it, went down, picked it up, and then we started to plan the car. So um, nice clean U.S. car compared to up here, um, and then. Uh, started uh ordering some of the parts even before i'd even really taken the car apart i was ordering you know the alloys and and getting darren krunchuk to start on the engine that type of thing transaxle so um what uh, what i've been doing because i'm not really set up to do body and paint anymore even though that was my trade for many many years um i would bring the car in disassemble it and then organize everything 
and then start working on sub assemblies. So I would, you know, prep the pan. I do the pans here and um, start doing all the suspension um, and then send the shell out. So I'd take it out and get it like walnut blasted. And then I go between three, usually three different shops where I can send for paint. Some of the cars I'll do metalwork, depending on how the, how the shop is. If I've got some really nice stuff in here, it's not exactly great for doing a bunch of metalwork. Um, this 55, I did probably three quarters of the metalwork and then sent it out. So everybody up here is so booked and so far behind, you know, some of the places at least two or three years wait to get wow. into a body shop. So, and really lackluster results. Um, for, yeah. for the most part, um, I'm extremely fussy, but at the same time, these cars were, were not like sticking to a budget and, and trying to do quotes on that. I'm, I'm handing jobs to body shops that it's like, you know, do it perfect, you know, right. keep track of the hours. That's, you know, not a tall order really. So anyhow, this 55, it got to thinking. So, uh, we sent it down to buddy. So it, it went in a, uh, all mocked up. So he did most of the metal work, uh, got it all into one piece on a dolly and shipped it down to, to, uh, Tempe. And he did it in about six months. Um, after, uh, may maybe it took maybe six weeks for him to, to, uh, line it up to get started on it. Nice. So for a time frame for six, for seven or so months, that's fast start to finish. Those guys, yeah. It's so I, that's impossible up here and impossible on my own because it's um, – I know how to do all that, and that's why I can see it that way. Yeah. But, but I, the, the, the last car I actually painted was a, was a 1938 Alfa Romeo 8C2900. Yeah. So, so you take a look at the car that won Pebble Beach last year, last summer, and that's, a, that's an 8C2900. So – at that point, the car was nine million dollars U.S. Wow. And they're now around twenty-five to thirty million U.S. So I figured uh, that's a good car to bow out on, and and I I haven't been <laughs> the car since. It's just I couldn't <laughs> breathe the stuff anymore. So anyhow, that that I got off on a uh, tangent there, as I do. Excuse me. No, no, no. That's great. That's <laughs> so, great. So that's when I was working part time for um, a, a shop called RX Auto Works um, locally, and they do the top restorations i would say in the world cars yeah. you can't even comprehend like crazy so, stuff. Let me, so let me let me ask you a question when you're working on a car that's nine million dollars how nerve-wracking is it to work that piece of steel it wasn't you know uh, so for you it, yeah, that, that so, car was aluminum <laughs> so well that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying even with those aluminum because some of the row matches and the and and the lawrence's things like that yeah those cars are, are thin aluminum and it's like if you lean on the fender too hard, you'll put a dent yeah. in it. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah, okay. So for instance, <laughs> on a on a car like that Alpha, in reassembly, um, we had a, a torque wrench to to with a chart, an inch pounds for every like fender bolt. So really? you go through the chart and you you tighten <laughs> the fasteners back up to the same amount of inch pounds, wow. so that any type of pulling or any type of shape. It would go so, back to where it was. <laughs> so, wow! So that's—I oh, mean—that's yeah. gotta be that's gonna be pretty intense, especially when they're yeah. when they're building stuff like that. Now, yeah. So, <clears throat> I wanted to talk to you about. Um, you were talking earlier about the cars that you paint, or, or the cars and the projects that you get. Is it hard to find 
up there where you guys are, it's tough to find. I'm assuming because of the weather, it's tough to find good solid early cars over there that are that are from that area. There, there are some. They uh, many will come from the interior of BC, which is more like uh, there's areas that are more like Las Vegas, you know, or, yeah. or Nevada, where it's dry and desert. People don't think that, but there's desert here. You know, tumbleweeds the whole deal. Um, or yeah. else in the in the in the prairies, you know, Saskatchewan, just north of Montana, and um, and it's dry. But you get any further than that, it's a disaster. But for cars out here, VW started distributing the cars in Vancouver in 1953. So there are you, you can find 54s for some reason. Um, yeah, and a few 55s, and then of course into the later ovals, there's a fair amount. But as for a local car, they're usually pretty pretty soft and not not a great candidate plus the fact that there's a fair amount of uh, canadian standards well that so that's a that's a question i wanted to ask you kick me the reel on canadian standards what makes a canadian standard beetle different than a u.s beetle well it depends whether it's a 50s or 60s they um it was just a lower level uh, like a, an economy model um so in canada we had the same drivetrain uh, europe they went to some weird engine combinations like a 70 with a 1200 and but here they you know a 66 would have a, a 1300 and maybe a 1266 some of them say 1200 in the back but yeah. when you get to when you get to say a uh, 67 canadian standard it'll be a 1500 single port it'll be exactly the same so what they would have is, is a very small headliner with a lot of exposed painted metal inside. So all on each side of the headliner. And then things like no trim ring on the speedometer, um, black dash knobs, uh, especially with the early cars with ivory, um, and really bare bones kind of setup. Now you go back to the 50s cars and they were, they were definitely strange. So you could get a, a 52 with cable brakes. Wow. Yeah, and there's a, a local guy has one. So he has a he actually has a Zwitter with cable brakes, and and of course everything's blacked out, and there's no body moldings on it. It's it's the it's the cow look kind of style. It kind of looks more like a '47, you know. Right. Um, so then, but for the for the Canadian standards that got a little bit later in the '50s, you you'd get a um, you know a, a '57. Canadian standard, and it would have a three-spoke, um, like a split, early split steering wheel on it. Oh, so that's where uh, all the three spokes come from, from yeah. Canada, huh? Yeah, those, yeah, the real ones are are uh, from Canadian standards. I believe up to around 59 or 60, they still have a three-spoke, I think. <coughs> Excuse me. Wow. But they're, and, and you know, like painted vent windows, um, really, really kind of strange setups and in those 50s ones they also had wing nut uh seat adjusters so no slider so you just kind of put your little you know those early cars with a chair kind of seats right and these big wing nuts like in a bus you just <laughs> tighten it down and then there you go yeah wow that's crazy yeah. that's crazy so so you've got a car coming out this summer that you've got that's you said it's a 55 that you're going to be debuting this summer yeah, and then a, a couple of uh, deluxe buses, but they're they're different because they're they're dead stock restorations. I, I built two sixty six um, deluxe buses. Well, that was going to be my question. Uh, have you besides the Beetle platform, which most we've mostly seen from you? So you have yeah. done some buses. And yeah, then... a lot more lately. Yeah, because you know because 
these guys watch the auctions and they see how much these, these vehicles are selling for. So my clients are usually quite well to do and yeah. comfortable. And they, so they see this and like, well, okay, I got to get me one of those, you know? So I start the search. So, and another one I've, uh, it's almost complete is I built one for Volkswagen. That's another 66 that's been in their storage for 30 plus years. So, but these ones are really, yeah, these ones are rotisserie. These are all underneath everything right down to the correct white wall tires, the paint markings, the bolt heads, everything. I don't have one in the shop right now. It left yesterday to go to get a, get a bit of paint work done. But these are like, if you, if you like seeing a, a restored bus, these two that I've just finished, uh, you'll, you'll just shake your head and it's, it, they're not, it's not that hard to do. At least I don't find it that hard to do. You right. just have to know, you have to just complete where the path, you know, you have to just make sure you do it all right and keep the, keep the level of detail, um, uh, throughout. It's, right. it's the, not, it's really not that hard, especially the restorations is not a lot of, there's only one way to do it. But so he just is like the type 34 guru and I've got, I, I had my type 34. I sold, I bought two more because I'm a glutton for punishment and I'm about to strip one down and send it off to paint. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about, you know, cause I'm a custom guy. I like custom stuff. It's gotta be lower. It's gotta have wheels, gotta have disc brakes, gotta have a big motor. Um, but he said, Oh, you ought to try doing a restoration. You'd be surprised how difficult an original restoration is. And so I thought, yeah. you know, it's funny cause I thought to myself, well, original restoration shouldn't be that hard, but I guess it is. It's actually hard if you buy a car that's incomplete. And yeah. Yeah. Cause a huge part of what I do is, is on the computer and I'm trying to find stuff and actually trying to find the correct car to start with. I get people that are very specific, but for restoration, I like, I have one customer that I just finished one bus for. I did a, I did a red 68 beetle a couple of years ago. It was in the magazine stock white walls, but a 68 restoration, remember. Which, which, which people were like, why you see it in person. It's a, it's a, it's a cute little car and it drives absolutely unbelievable. It's the lightest steering and anyhow, but that guy now he wants, um, the Holy grail. So, oh yeah. Barn door 23. <laughs> uh, well, no, he's already got the one bus, but he wants a split vert. Oh yeah. So along not, with, along with a lot of other people and yeah, a tremendous yeah. amount of money. So I've been, I've been looking for months and months and months to try and find the right car and, you know, in Europe and that type of thing. So, but I have to find the one that's got everything. You know, yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, you can't, you can't be searching for, to try and save some dimpled rear fenders. Yeah. You can get some new ones and, but starting to looking for all the weird stuff. Oh yeah. It doesn't have an inside rear view mirror or it doesn't have a rear window or it doesn't, you know, or it doesn't have the right regulator oh, yeah. or the, you know, the coil and that type of thing. So that's a, that's a huge part of it. But the actual, the actual work of, of doing the restoration it's time consuming. Yes. But when it, I, I have techniques for every aspect of it, I know how to make, um, uh, certain parts look the right way. I've got my platers that I send things to for CAD and zinc and black oxide and, you know, all those goofy details and all my sub trades that, you know, my guy that, that makes my glass, like I have the, well, I have a glass made and tempered for most of these cars. Really? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Not the curve so much. You'd have to slump it, but 
And do you laser uh, do you laser etch the logos la- in there? Laser etched, yeah. So I have the I have um, we have files, vector files for the you know Duro Glass and Sector nice. and all those ones. So these buses, these two buses I've just finished, every single window is brand new. Everything, every single piece, and it's got the Sector logos in the right spots. You know, all, you know, it's a, there's a certain pattern. What now? And why is that any harder? to 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 follow through to do that than just getting blank glass and pumping it in there it really isn't that much more work you just have to really stick plan to it out plan yeah. it out yeah, yeah. You, it's, it, it's funny when i when i built my crew cab and i started assembling the crew cab i was like oh no these are original windows let's just put them in and then i get the car all done and still to this day, I look out my my rear passenger glass door and I'm thinking, why did I put that scratch piece of garbage in there? Well, because the yeah. bus looks super nice and nothing worse than looking through scratched up glass, whether it's original well, yeah. or not. And I'm sitting here yeah. thinking like, man, I got to pull that whole thing apart. And then I just stomp the loud pedal and keep going because keep going. I, I, I like dri- I like driving them. So Well, yeah. it's it, it's um, the, the paint finish is is only as good as the glass and is only as good as the wheels and tires this is the some of the rules i've learned so if you see uh you see a car with this incredible paint it's cut and buff and it's done just like glass and then you look at it and it's got you know we call it the brown tire where you've the car's been sitting for a while and the tires have gone a little brown and maybe the rims are dingy or it's just a bad combo you know has a you know goofy sizes that car just won't look right. And then, then you flip it over and you get a car that's got an average paint job. It's just whatever. It's been masked up and, you know, slips and fender beating in here. And, and if it's got the wheels and tires that are detailed and everything's done right, you got the right Michelins on the front and, you know, everything, then you'll look at that car as, whoa, whoa, you know, and it's just average paint. It's yeah. uh, good rules. So, Lanny, we were talking about cars and stance and a lot of those different things. Now, when, when you're building a car, what, what sources do you go to for inspiration? Uh, oh, boy, that's, it depends when. Like back then, it would have been uh, Cowlick Forum, uh, magazines, and then also the classic uh, weekend pretty much every year, you know, looking at – I would look at race cars a lot too. Yeah. Um, you know, see what, uh, what, what the guys are doing down there for any cutting edge stuff and, and, um, not so much the vintage stuff back then, you know, I've always been into it, but, um, now certainly more, more looking at the early stuff cause I'm dealing with more of it, but, um, it was always, uh, you know, the Nick's burger meat, the DKP Friday night. Uh, reveal it yeah. was always very that was something you're making notes there you know me and our buddy hale and i you know sparring right well it's, you know <laughs> it's good because you see that inspiration and, and, and it's interesting how you see a lot of things cross over from different from different automotive genres you know like hot rod stuff or race car stuff and things to that extent what for you like <clears throat> let's talk about vintage parts for example so there's some there are some vintage parts that are like, nope, that just is not going to work. And there's other vintage parts that are like, that's so cool that it has to be in this car. You know what I mean? Like a empty yeah. door pulls because they're classic, but they're cool. They can go on kind of a car. It's got a little bit of a race feel because everybody knows what it is from, from what you see. So when you look at something like, give me an example of something that you see that, that lets something that's a classic vintage accessory 
that you would see that would fit on a contemporary build, something that's really unique? Well, so like the, the uh, 55 on my right here, yeah, um, that has uh, a Joe Hunt Magneto on it. Right. So there's an, there's an example. So it's brand new, ordered from Hunt. Um, we could have gone MSD, could have gone, uh, you know, cast iron, Bosch, but there was just something about that look, which right. is a nod, nod to the, the older race cars. And the customer just basically asked me, he goes, well, you know, what, what is really cool to keep the vintage style of the car, but, you know, show that it means business. Yeah. And that first thing I thought of was mag, you know, and of course IDAs. Yeah. Big giant mag always looks. Yeah. It, yeah. It just looks fitting. Like, you know, the motor means business. You know what I mean? You put a oh, mag in yeah. 48s on a 1600. It looks like a, a 2.3 yeah. liter. Yeah. And then try to find the loudest straight cuts you can find, right. you know, rapid, <laughs> rapid Russ, <laughs> you know, so yeah. this has got nice, noisy straight cuts. So. Well, yeah, that's the thing, you know, the straight cut gears. I mean, there's that, there, there's that whole, that whole, vibe when it comes in that it all kind of connects together what um yeah. a lot of people have been doing kind of classic interiors using classic fabrics and things to that extent what's your take on on like the vintage style interior what do you like to do what what kind of things do you like to do that that kind of blend the two going kind of modern day styling and also vintage i i've always stuck to the original style interiors as my personal choice uh, again, the, the 55 in the shop here, it's got a, a split style interior with the, like the strip and brown type, uh, interior, which isn't correct for the car, but it's slightly earlier, uh, but it's got the small early seats and the, and the bat wing. And, and it's, I thought, I think the original design was just so, so clever on these and, and, and really, really, uh, tied everything together. Yeah. This car doesn't even have a aftermarket shifter it's like all stock inside oh really yeah stock shifter have you ever seen a pre-56 shifter oh yeah so you <laughs> oh, don't yeah, even, that's a, not even a vintage no, speed short no, throw style shifter no, huh no just a stocker it's hilarious and that's that's kind of what we, there's no tack there's no gauges no, there's nothing really just super, it's just it's just business it's just has a couple hundred super stealth that, on the know? inside so let me ask yeah. you. So let me ask you a question. So you're building a car for a customer. If you're building one for you personally, do you like? I mean, are you so committed to the look that you're you're okay with uh, no stare? I mean, me personally, when I build a car, like if I'm building a car, it's got to look cool. But when I get inside it, it has to have the creature comforts for me. Like I've got to have a good stereo. I've got to have seats that 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 make me feel like the car's got performance. Like my 55, mm. I, I had beard seats in it that I had upholstered uh, with like a diamond pleat vinyl interior. So it looked kind of a little bit throwback, but it really felt when you got in the car, cause you know, this things, these things feel like go-karts when they're laying on the ground and they got a lot of power and mm. trying yeah. to hold on to that seats. <laughs> That's a little well, difficult. Yeah. So for you yourself know, for personally, if you build a car, I mean, are there things you're willing to sacrifice on to maintain the look? Uh, yeah, so, so the like the last the last car that I had this that my sepia brown sixty seven, that was you know factory interior but factory style but you know slightly earlier seats because the mid sixty seats are pretty junky and had like fifty eight through sixty four seats or stronger, yeah. but it was all um, you know stock VW seats. It had a GTV style wheel, Berg five speed shifter, 
but for personally beyond that, I don't get really get into any type of different seats. Um, I, for some reason I just, I've never liked that look, yeah. but at the same time with, a, with customers car, so you, cars, you go back to Joe Cormier's car and that had uh, scat. We just took regular scat uh, pro cars, I think, and gutted them and, uh, and completely rebuilt them and reupholstered them yeah. to, to, to fit that German look. Sure. Uh, that car with 500 plus horsepower, you know, skating around on a on a factory seat wasn't really a good uh, good option. You know, a lot of guys do it, but uh, he wanted it. Joe, the owner, wanted it to, to fit right, like you're describing. Yeah. You know, the right size steering wheel, seating position. So. So, so what's your take? So speaking of German look, what's your what's your take on a German look car? Have you ever built a German? I mean, you built his car, which is which is German look. Not sort of, super yeah. aggressive German look, but it's more of a Euro kind of a Euro contemporary kind of look. What's your take yeah. on a German look, and and would you ever want to build one? I would uh, I would build one for a customer, but for myself, um, generally they you see people try and do earlier cars, yeah, and they they look a little uh, mixed and uh, confused kind of style, right? Um, they I think they look better on a '68 and up big bumper car, absolutely, um, but. You, you take a German look, 69 Beetle, and you take a completely stock-bodied 69 Beetle, both both with big engines, I'll go for the stock body. That's just nostalgia. Yeah. My dad bought one brand new in 1969. You know? Yeah. So um, you, I guess getting, you know, I'm getting old. So <laughs> <I have> my, <laughs> all of us are getting old. I don't think anybody's getting out of here uh, alive, and yeah. we're all getting older every day. So, yeah. so um, working on those kind of building cars for customers and then, and then having your own, uh, your commitment to style that, that you'll forego some creature comforts for the look. Is there any classic Volkswagen that you're okay with putting a stereo in or doing this or doing that? So it's more drivable and functional or most of these that you have they're like, especially if you have it for you, it's more of a showpiece than like, it's, it's almost like your business card when you're out there. I mean, what's, what's yeah. your, what's your take on it for, for a cruiser that's a more usable car would be a squareback. Yeah. And I've had a, I've had a couple of them. And the last one I had was a really cool California car, all original with alloys on it. Um, but they're far nicer to drive. I mean, you know, that oh, yeah. um, especially on the highway, they're just, they drive like a, like a modern car. Yeah. So that one, you know, the big idea I had with that car was I was going to put a, um, uh, a Wasser engine in it, right? Uh, so a 2.1 Vanagon engine, and and have it all water cooled and dependable, and and you know drive it uh, as far as I wanted. But then you know I started having more kids. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> how many kids and, you got? Uh, yeah, I got three kids. Three? You're a rookie. I got four. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So then I got sidetracked a couple of years ago, and I built that Nova station wagon. What year, Nova? Big, it, 67. Nice. RK, RK Smith. Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say RK's yeah, yeah. a big fan of the Novas. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I did, of course I went all out on that car, everything, all the undercarriage. Oh, so, it, so had a, it had a it had a GTV wheel in it though, which was pretty cool. So are the kids allowed to jump over the seats and get all crazy in the car, or they got to oh, be on their they, best behavior? They were, but it's in it's in Iowa now. Oh, you so you sold it, huh? Oh, it's it's gone. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It was. I, I should have driven one before I built it. It was awful. Yeah, they're they're looking. Well, you're. T I think you're a little taller. I'm six foot. How tall are you? 
I'm six two. Yeah, you're a little taller than me, and those cars, you know, I've I've got that sixty five Riviera, and the seating position on them, it's like your head rubs the headliner, yeah, and yeah. your feet are kind of in a crouch position. You can't really yeah. stretch your legs out, and it's funny because you get in an old Volkswagen, and it's like your head's nowhere uh, near the ceiling, and your legs you can fully better. extend. Yeah, so way way better. That was part of it, you know. I think I think the the deciding factor to sell that car is when I climbed in it, and of course it's got four door doors, so they're, they're, they're even they're shorter, short, and. And I smacked my head on it, on the, on the uh, drip rail. And I was like, oh, that's it. <laughs> and it hurts when you hit it hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I put so much work into that car, you know, anyhow. But uh, uh, where were we? <laughs> so so now Volkswagen-wise, so you had a square back. You got rid, so you still have the square back? You got rid of the square back? No, I don't, I don't have anything now. All right. And then right yeah. now, you guys are just getting are, uh, up there where you're at. Winners are pretty harsh. Uh, you know what? Not not bad compared to the rest of the country where it's like, it's, I don't know, in Fahrenheit, it's probably 70, 70 degrees outside, oh, bright sunshine. Summertime. Oh yeah. It's, oh so, yeah. So it's yeah, driving it's weather fun, now yeah. for you guys. You're not on oh, lockdown. Yeah. You're not on lockdown no, 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 for no, 12 you know, months. The last so. of the salted roads were probably a month ago. And, and so we've, we'll have it beautiful right until uh, beginning of October. So nice. So you're going to be coming out to, uh, the week before Prado, which is going to be the DKP meet and Octo meet and the uh, vintage VW show. And you'll be bringing out the ultramaroon car. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, that's going to go uh, mid May down to uh, buddy Hale uh, who painted it. And we're going to get a couple little uh, touch-ups done on it. I, uh, I had a little mishap. I dropped something on the apron. So uh, oh. anyhow, oh. so it's going to go there and then uh, we'll fly home and then the rig will go over to uh, L.A. from Phoenix and then we'll fly back down uh, probably May 30th and then um, it'll debut at the DKP meet. Nice. Um, I You know what? It's a beautiful car, but it's pretty understated and, and I would imagine people, some people might walk right by it. Yeah. Um, but when you look closely, that's that's kind of the trademark I like to put on these is you start looking at the details. And especially with Buddy and I teaming up on this one. Um, a lot of minor and, details that are real subtle. Yeah, there's yeah, there's there's some there's some really neat stuff and um, and, and just cleanliness. Every you know, the car is clean um, as it went together too. So even, you know, inside the doors and inside, you know, behind everything. Right. It's, you know. Oh yeah. Well, listen, it's the, it's the caliber of car that you build. I mean, you, people take a car to you because you go the extra mile. You take the extra time yeah. to. You don't want to cover up the inside of a door that's got a bunch of sixty-year-old no. overspray inside there and whatever the case no. is. I mean, it's trying no. to be. Yeah. It's trying to be clean. Um, yeah. So you're you're headed to the DKP meet. You're debuting that yeah. car. I see a bus. I see a bus behind you. What's the story on the bus? Oh, that one, '66 Deluxe uh, Microbus. Now that one I built for a VW dealership. Oh, um, really? A local local dealership. They've had it in mothballs for, oh, at least, I think probably 20 years, and I think it's been apart for more than 30 years. You painted it that so, long ago, or you just, re- no, you just no, redid this it? No, no, this one, this one we. I took it out of their warehouse. They shipped it over here, and it was literally crates of parts. Wow! And and I had to. It was spread out all over the shop, and I had to make sense of it. I had, you know, it was it was ridiculous. So they tracked so, you down because they know who you are. Yeah, I. You know what? I don't know what the connection was. I and half the time I don't know how the people, uh, how they connect and find me. It's just 
friends of friends or, or a guy that knows this guy and they just get my, they, they find me on Facebook, whatever. And, and, uh, and it was just a, it was a good fit because they didn't know what to do with it. Right. And, but it was a, a massive job to resurrect this one. Like it was just, there, there were, there was very, very few parts that were even usable. You know? So was this, was this bus a bus that they had sitting for a long time that they bought yeah. years ago, but it's a yeah. Canadian bus. So it was really rusty or like, did they was, find a cherry bus and it was like, I mean, what, no, how was it metal wise? They, they bought it when they were cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had, uh, some mechanics in, in their service garage over the years do some, you know, put floors in it. And, but there are the old orange Tabco floors, right. you know, that type of thing. So it all had to come apart. Everything, you had to cut out everything. Uh, but as a real 21 um, and a Canadian version with the with a two spare tire positions, some of the weird things, only two pop-out windows, mostly stationary windows. Is that, was that a standard, uh, that was a standard Canadian thing? Uh, th- that's, uh, that's what I've learned is that was, a um, common on the Canadian deluxes. So it's got a, it's got a rear spare tire mount yeah. and one behind the seat. So it's got two spare. Anyway. Oh, so oh, I get I it. Know, so I, it's got, so in case it snows, you might have, you might put two snow tires on there and switch them. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what the I deal. So. so it's a bench seat car with a walkthrough wheel with a walkthrough exactly. well in the back. And that was really confusing at first. I did. We, we thought there was something wrong with it. it you know, that spliced together. But then, uh, then uh, Corey Bloom in uh, California, he said, oh no, that's a, that's a Canadian version. So, so and, that one, um, that one's had a really difficult path in trying to get finished. Um, it, it fought, it fought us uh, <laughs> pretty <laughs> fiercely, but now it's in the final stages. I'm getting ready to put the engine in tomorrow, and it's uh, uh, it. But it's done rotisserie all underneath, bias ply tires, all vintage, every, all original oh, style. Yeah, absolutely, the the engine is. You can kind of see it in the background yeah. there. Is is it's got my kind of uh my touch on it where it's got it's everything is absolutely exact as possible so right down to the correct k-max bolts and the fan shroud to the to the you know the short coil to you know everything all the little details i absolutely love that stuff nice and yeah a date coded distributor you know yeah, real, stuff. real particular so. on the vintage end of things. Like you got to get within, yeah. within a couple months, otherwise it's yeah. uh, not quote unquote yeah. correct. How, how did you? Yeah. I mean, have you done a lot of a lot of stock restorations, or you do mostly? I mean, you're mostly known for your custom work. Yeah, you know what? I've done a lot of stock ones over the years. I mean, one of the one of the first uh, full restorations I did would have been around 1993. Um, what uh, uh first early car so like a, i did a rib door 55 mm-hmm. uh, for a guy in seattle and luckily i started with a like a forty thousand mile original uh, uh wow car and i redid the whole car and it was but back then i tell you you couldn't buy very much for those i mean we still had wolfsburg warehouse which was a great um supplier down in seattle bill derrick's yeah and uh, so you could get a lot of nos stuff but you it you know, that's just before Wolfsburg West was really up and running and they were, you know, not much available. So you just had to try and save everything. Yeah, I think know? that it's interesting. I think you, that it seems that 
you know, parts for oval windows and stuff in the nineties seemed like next to impossible to get. And now here yeah. we are, you know, 25 years later and it seems like things are, you know, 30 years later and it, things are easy to get. They're not that difficult oh, yeah. to get. Yeah. You know? Especially, you know, with, with the internet and communication, it's, there's, there's very few things on these vehicles that I cannot find. Like it's, and some of this stuff I'm doing is like, I'm doing also doing a 356, uh, a pre, a, uh, speedster yeah now that gets a little tricky to find some parts you know there's only a few hundred of them left sure. you know so and then uh and then i've got a, a split vert um plan to do and i know that's going to be that's going to uh be some really tough uh, parts to find on that one. i can imagine yeah so but for uh for a regular for especially for the back to this this bus you can buy everything. I mean, even since I started on the bus a couple of years ago, um, there's the, the part supply has changed in the last two years. And you get companies like Wolfsburg West, and they have no fear. They just they just tool up and, and make it. You know, right down to if you have a, you know, a mid-60s deluxe that has the little short little door releases, the chrome ones. Yeah. They now reproduce them, and they're perfect. Well, you know, it's, so. it's funny on those buses – a lot of people think like, oh, 64 to 67, they're all really the same. I mean, it's all the same no. stuff. It's all this. I know because I have a 67 and my 67 has like a, I think it's an L code cargo door handle, which is like a six month only cargo door handle. And they all yep. snap exactly the same way. And it's like the cargo door handle for that, for, for the L code cargo door handle is 300 bucks because it is a yep. six month only deal. And yep. so it's, it's funny. No, a lot of people didn't pay attention to the things that uh that volkswagen did to just make slight improvements everything that they did you know well yeah in the buses so then you get you get into some details like uh like the bulkhead grab handle on 66 67 has black bushings on the end of it instead of white right and then you know and like your 67 you'd have a one-year only clock yep uh you know <laughs> it just it, it never ends and then uh, you know this one didn't have a four-way flasher switch Oh so, really? No, it it was gone. So yeah, because sixty six, I think, is a one year only flasher switch. Yeah, so one hundred and twenty five US, and I <sighs> I got just the knob. <laughs> yeah, that's cr yeah, that's the one with the illuminating knob, and it's really yeah. interesting. I'm I, I'm gonna probably do a podcast coming up here where we're gonna go year by year, and I'll I'll launch each one of those every now and again. But I think it's really interesting when you sit down and look at all the intricacies from year to year, the change, especially in the group of cars that that you would think the same, you know, from 58 to 64, 65 to, you know, 65 to 67. I mean, even in those short spans, there's so many unique things that they do that, that uh, you know, it's endless the amount of knowledge that, that you need to have to go through and do everything correctly. And then trying to tie that into safety regulations that came out at the same era that mandated some of those changes. So I think it's, oh, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah, it, VW didn't, VW didn't want to put bigger bumpers on or bigger taillights and turn signals no the, yeah, cause them to make a new yeah. die and, and do more work and put more money yeah. into something they were already making money on yeah those wonderful 68 uh backrests and, and the seats oh yeah the, the lovely they're fantastic yeah so <clears throat> you know i also wanted to some, some of the people in podcast land might not know that besides being a world famous uh vw car builder you're also in a band. You, we talked earlier that you were a musician back earlier. You were in a band that was signed with a record label and you guys did some touring in Canada in your, in your early years of building. 
but now you're currently back out with a band right now. Why don't you tell us about the about the band so people in podcast land can can check you guys out and support you and do all that kind of stuff. Oh, well, that's nice. The uh, yeah, it's got a, two branches here, you know, doing the cars, and then uh, and then at night and uh, you know sometimes going on tour with with music, and it, they're two completely separate things. But yeah. Obviously, put a pretty good smile on my face, you know. Yeah. So I, I yeah, the band is Trailer Hawk, and and uh, and it's kind of like an Americana outlaw country band. Um, but um, we've had uh, we've had a fair amount of radio play in the U.S. Nothing is funny, funny enough, nothing in Canada. Really. It's uh, yeah. So we, you know, we've been on the radio everywhere from Hawaii to Alaska to Florida to you know all the South and. And which is really cool. Yeah. You know, and obviously um, the record industry has changed substantially since the first time you were in it to now. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of it, a lot of it really has to do with piracy and music and how musicians make their mm-hmm. money because they used to make their money. You know, you get one or two hit singles, man, and you're rolling in it. And now because yeah. of piracy and things like that, people just download stuff for free on the internet. The bands really only make their money through touring and merch sales and things to that extent, or if they now, now the way bands become successful is they actually have to quote unquote sell out to general motors or somebody to get their car, to get their music purchased for a commercial or something like that. And and that's the shame of it because you know, there's nothing greater than getting paid to do what you love. You know what I mean? And for it to become even more of a, of a difficult struggle. And on top of that, now with, the average Joe being able to go out and buy all kinds of audio equipment, record his own stuff like me with my podcast and all that kind of stuff. Like I'm the same as a DJ was 20 years ago. You know what I mean? And, and I, oh, yeah. and I got yeah, a grand in this better. and I can put it out there to podcast land and people can get it. So how is your take on the difference in the music scene that's happened from bef- from when back then it was to now? So it's, it's twice as much work now that it wasn't, it was a lot of work back then. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's totally different. So, um, so there's a local artist that just posted on uh, uh, a link this morning on social media that said they had 233,000 streams in uh, one month for a certain song. Wow! And they made they made twelve hundred dollars. Yikes! So, um, yeah, I mean, we're we're nowhere near the, those numbers, but we're in the thousands, and so there's there's absolutely nothing from that. Yeah. Uh, you YouTube plays. I don't know how many you're in thousands, whatever, but there's nothing from that. Um, right. But the closest that the, the what we're doing now is we have certain songs that we submit to uh, TV. Yeah. And this is a more of a, a a direct way to to be able to pay yourself to make a living. Business. Yeah. Yeah. So so for instance, um, we've got four songs off our off our kind of our latest batch of recording that are are supposed to be um uh set into 12 different productions now in vancouver where i am it's hollywood north they call it so there is a ton of shows up here it is we're absolutely surrounded by tv and film production yeah it's yeah it's crazy i think it's tax credits or something you guys do like that yeah there's 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 the dollar which is over 30 percent uh 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 more advantage for the U.S. dollar over the Canadian dollar, and then there's uh, there's tax advantages and that type of thing. So it, everywhere you look, there's there's circuses, which is a you know all the trucks and and sure. productions. So so Warner Brothers has four of our songs, and they're going to figure out 
we will find out any week now what shows they'll be on and that the the gain from that is is far more uh is more clarity than than sure. something like uh like spotify i mean we we have to support spotify because we're it's your biggest um method of of people hearing your your material right even though that the the the, the financial end of it is, is, is such a disaster, but it's going to come around. It, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot better coming up. I, everybody can feel it. Most of the music community can feel it too. Yeah. The, They're just so trying to figure it out. They, they see some sort of change on the horizon in regards to figuring yeah, out a different way to, to, to compensate musician, because really at the end of the day, uh, some of the best bands, you know, when you talk to these guys when they started playing guitar, a lot of guys started playing guitar because they wanted to look cool in front of chicks. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then these guys yeah. become some of the most prolific songwriters and music writers and things to that extent. And they want they want to chase a dream to be successful. Now, if there's if there's little to little to no success in that field, I mean, imagine the music that hasn't come out because people didn't chase their artistic dreams because they looked at it like, I mean, it was it was one in a million shot twenty years ago. Yeah. And now oh, yeah. it's it's yeah. one in 20 million because the dollar the dollar has we're back to Apple changing everything again and with iTunes I think that was the you know you, it started with Napster which with which was the huge blow to yeah. the music industry and then it evolves into um it, it evolves into now Apple Apple taking and saying we're going to pay you X for your song. You know, we really don't care. We got 50 million songs in our catalog and if you want to be on here this is the market now and it's it's funny because you look at that with technology, and technology's changed everything. I mean, our our cell phone is our camera, our record store. Our I mean, record stores imploded after after iTunes. You know what I mean? Like no more record stores. Oh yeah. And yeah, so yeah, exactly. It, it's it's just a it's a different thing. So it's great that we have a platform like this, like the podcast, to get out there and let people know, like, hey, Lanny's a VW guy. Lanny's a hardcore car builder, but he's also in a band. Go check out his band, share his music, get out there, and, and really. I was talking to some kids yesterday and they, and they were, these are young kids and every young kid makes beats and they do, you know, everybody's a, a, a backyard producer. And I said, so what are you guys doing to get this music heard? Well, we got to sign up for this. And, 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 and the market's turned to where it's like, sign up for a thing to pay someone to play your music that you might get lucky on or something like that. But the reality is I tried to tell these kids, I said, listen, if you're trying to get your music heard, it is hard work. And especially in a field of like, let's say top 40 type stuff, it's like one in a billion chance. And what's going to set you apart from everybody else, you know? So I think with the music, with the music genre that you do, like the Americana music, it's kind of a, a grungy classic rock and roll kind of country kind of feel. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's good yeah. stuff. I've listened, you know, I listen to it because I like, uh, we're friends on Facebook. I saw you post the stuff. So I started seeing it and I'm thinking like, man, you know, that's how things evolve nowadays is a community gets behind people support your stuff. Everybody just yeah. kind of promotes from within. And we kind of, it, it, it's funny because more grassroots now than it used to be because it used to be controlled yeah. by the corporations. Yeah. So on, on that note, like we've, we found in the last three or four days, we did a, we did a television uh, show last Wednesday, uh, like a live taping. Yeah. And since that, since we did that, the amount of followers is it's snowballing like you wouldn't believe. That's awesome. Normally, when you see a follower or something, someone um, likes, you know, on, on Facebook, yeah, you can usually look at it. You click on him, you say, "Oh, that's a friend of someone. That's a friend of the bass players." Correct. Oh, that's oh, that's someone, someone's uncle or whatever. 
Now it is people from all over the world, and it is it is so random. Like if someone from from Morocco, and then another person from Dayton, Ohio, and then it's really bizarre. We're trying to figure it out. This is in the last two days. Like, how, do we know any of these people? It's like, yeah, nope. No, it's crazy because as I started yeah, doing as, as I started doing the podcast, the service that I that I distribute the podcast through gives me statistics. It gives me. Uh, the downloads that I'm getting per episode, it, uh, how many downloads every time I release one. And then it gives me a global map, which is the coolest thing, right? Oh, yeah. So if you listen to the <laughs> podcast so far, we've been downloaded literally in about 35 countries. I mean, yeah. India, South Africa, like all kinds of crazy places. I'm thinking like, well, that's pretty cool because I was able to get on, you know, with the podcast, we're on Apple Podcasts. So anybody that searches Volkswagen or VW or anything like that, hopefully yeah. the podcast comes across. But the good thing is, just like with music, our hobby, the VW hobby, is worldwide. You know, good music is good music, and it doesn't matter if you're in Thailand or if you're in, in Kansas. Yeah. And so the same with VW stuff. So I think with the VW podcast, kind of glo the globalization of what's happened with technology, it's made it to where, hey, we're VW guys. We can have something that we can listen to that connects us back into our hobby, and we're able to grow that all around the world and find people that are interested. And, and it's, and it's interesting. I think the, the biggest challenge is trying to figure out how to unlock that key. Like how do you get the exposure? How do you get the, well, you know what I mean? And, it, and it's so tricky because nothing makes sense. You know, you'll go see, you go see bands that have, you know, 1.2 million followers, right? 1.2 million followers and they'll have 20,000 likes. You know, it's yeah. like, how do you understand? How does that ratio? And then, and then they'll they'll be able to sell um, sell out a five hundred seat venue. Yeah, that's kind of how it works. So the secret, um, the the apparently the secret in the in Spotify is playlists. Yeah. So if any of the viewers want to add our material Absolutely. to playlists, this is how it happens. This so, is uh, so we go request playlists you get on. So go, yeah. going on, set to play this on Spotify and saying, "Hey, we want I want a tra I want a Trailer Hawk station," and so then it says like, "Well, Trailer Hawk is the band they're using for their reference," which then kind of puts it towards the top. Is that because I do Pandora? I, I haven't done much stuff on Spotify yet, yeah. but yeah. Uh, but that's how Pandora works. You know, I like a band and I'll say I want to hear X, you know, so and so radio, and then it'll just make all music that kind of connects to that. So yeah, you may also like, yeah, that yeah. Kind of thing. So well, I think that the most powerful, uh, uh, momentum can be created by, it sounds silly, but celebrity playlists or, or, uh, popular music, uh, musician playlists. So if you have, um, a, a certain band, um, you know, you know, whatever, uh, from, uh, like, you know, the guitar player from U2 or something. Yeah. And he, he puts together a playlist on Spotify. Yeah. It's instant. Really? You'll have, you'll have millions. Yeah. So who so, are your, who are your contemporaries in regards to music? Like what bands do you, do you fall in the same genre as? You know, the, the, that's an interesting question because the reason we're having decent success is because there really isn't anybody around that is playing stuff that we do. Yeah. I mean, f first off, we have a, a female vocalist. Yeah, she's awesome. Which is, which is, well, thank you. And which is not very popular with country radio, which, um, which is most of the country radio is the bro, you know, is the, yeah. Oh, the yeah. stomping around and, yeah. you know, Jason Aldean and all that. And to try and have a woman fronting a band that's powerful, like we're, we're 
powerful. Yeah, you guys some gritty, some gritty sounds. Yeah, oh yeah, it's it's not too sensitive, you know what I mean? Um, But you do have artists like Brandy Carlisle, who's um, who's really paving the way for having a a female-led band. Um, But then going back, uh, we maybe would share similarities with the Pretenders, uh, you know that type of thing, and those are a big influence for for all of us. But we don't we 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 constantly try and figure out, okay, well, you know, who would we tour with? Right. And who would, you know what I mean? And, and it's a, it's a real puzzle. And, and any of our, uh, the, the pros we work with, like, per, like producers or any of the, any of the other people in the business, they just said, well, we can't really figure out who, who you sound like. And that is, that's part of that golden key. Yeah. Is there's a lot of great bands and a lot of great musicians and they, that a lot of guys will try and put a band together right and it just won't sound unique yeah and it's not and a lot of times you can't plan it you know we didn't plan the way we came together sure it just seemed to all work and so when when our when our lead singers uh comes up with the vocal part and i do all the uh, the rest of the singing yeah the voices fit together that's a fluke. You can't plan that. Yeah. It's, it's just, okay. There, there, it, it works, you know? And, and so. so you play, now you play guitar, you play rhythm or lead? Uh, it's kind of both. Back There's and forth. Guitar players. Yeah. And I play, uh, electric guitar, um, acoustic guitar and pedal steel guitar. Oh really? So yeah. So yeah. It's, pedal steel guitar is, that's a little different. Is it, it's like flying a, helicopter blindfolded <laughs> i can imagine <laughs> and then so then i play that and then trying to sing yeah that's a that's a that's a tricky one yeah so maybe it may, it may seem way out in left field uh you know compared to the automotive stuff but well it's a, it's, and so uh, yeah do you ever have where you where you have kind of uh maybe music inspiration in any of your builds have you ever thought of trying to being from a creative standpoint bring in some some sort of uh, like um, a connection to music in some way, shape, or form into one of your builds. Uh, not no, pretty much it's the other way around. Um, if you, you look at some of our song titles, uh, yeah, I looked know, at that El Camino. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was the first single from the last batch, and yeah, and and it's funny. I don't name any of the songs. Our our drummer does. Yeah, he names pretty much all the songs. Uh, but uh and there's some pretty pretty funny ones you know our, our single that we had last year that, would, that went across the states was called the single was called car, car. just simply car so there there is and then you see in some of our artwork there's a like a 59 um ford in the bushes from an early image there is some automotive stuff but but to to go the other way around and bring a musical vibe into a into a build it's that's not something i've thought of but it's um it'd be interesting it's a i think you know it's it's, an idea. especially in the genre of music you're into is more it's more classic musical instruments classic classic oh, yeah. traditional style americana rock and roll type because when i heard yeah. it like you said country but when i heard it i thought more i to me it kind of rang of like more of like a traditional classic classic rock i'm trying to think of the gal uh that that had a song that that was real popular back and it was kind of a country crossover rock and roll song but she had a real aggressive voice and uh but it but the the sound had a real cool sound to and kind of had a had a uh, that's the kind of music i'd play driving my riv 
my 65 Riviera, you know, just kind of a rumbly kind of a, you know what I mean? Just kind of a gritty sound. And I, and I, and I dig it. So I'm encouraging everybody out there in podcast land that listens to this to go check out trailer Hawk. If you look in the details, I'm going to go ahead and put a link to trailer Hawk's website. In addition to their YouTube channel. So you guys can check them out, get them some airplay and don't forget to go on Spotify and support our fellow VW brother in his quest for <laughs> success in, uh, in music. <laughs> well, great. look, that's awesome, man. I mean, uh, it's it's really it's good to see that you know you got a lot of creative outlets that uh that you're working on all the time and, and it's interesting like because you and i've been trying to catch up we started the podcast about a week ago and then we're back on here trying to just get the back end of the podcast kind of closed in and it's like you're so busy between during the day doing that uh, right yeah. after right after with your kids after that and then in the evenings out there playing shows and doing stuff so it's got to be pretty 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 crazy but pretty rewarding mm-hmm. You know? Oh yeah, like like today I started in the shop at four forty five in the morning. Yeah. That's that's what I that's what time I got on the tools. And then I'll you know, I'll leave here in a little bit, go get my youngest from school and and then get all the dinners going and all that, wait for mom to come home and yeah. I'm gone at seven and I go and rehearse till till eleven or eleven thirty tonight. Nice. You know? So yeah, so, so so how long so let me get I'm gonna get some details on Trailer Hawk here. How long have you guys been together as a band? Uh, maybe uh, three years or so, but we've, we've known each other longer than that in, in various bands. Yeah. And then what, uh, how many, how many albums or singles do you have out right now? Do you, do you, do, do they package them as albums um, anymore? Do they package them as kind not, of EPs? Not really. It was the first, we had a first EP last year, which is about five songs. And then we've recorded another six. Um, but we're, the approach now is we're every, every, I think six weeks, we're releasing a new single, oh, nice. um, uh, this year. So we've, we've, we're on our third is just coming uh, and we, and then we have, I think s- probably six videos and we'll um, put links to all those. We'll, we'll put links to yeah. all the, we'll put links to all the videos yeah, we in have, the, we have a YouTube channel. Yeah. In, in our, so, uh, in our, in you, the details in the podcast. So, so the, any of the VW people that know me. Um, you'll get a really good laugh yeah. seeing me in, in a cowboy hat jumping around playing a guitar. <laughs> I was taken like, back. Oh, I was like, oh, wait a second. Yeah, Who's Where's Lanny? I'm like, that's him right there, man. Oh, yeah. I get razzed. <laughs> oh, I sure do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, you mix it up pretty good, man. And then, you know, watching you play, I was like, hey, man, I know that dude. Yeah, I know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty well, awesome. You, you know, music was was before, before cars, you know, like the, the, the first – the first Cowlick Beetle I had was in 1985. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was, I don't know, 18 or something. But guitar got me at 14. And you so know, it, it, it snapped me up from BMX. Really? Okay, <laughs> so, so, but, so, so I'll ask a couple of questions. When you were into BMX, what kind of BMX? So you weren't a skateboarder because there's usually the two, two camps. I started started on uh, skateboarding skateboarders, in the late 70s. And then there's BMX. very good at it. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, I think I got a f- early issue of BMXA, um, right. and I was just absolutely drawn to it. You know, I get into a hobby, I get really into it. Yeah. So, and then you know, dreaming of Southern California, and then and then with my family down there, we go and visit. So then I, you know, going to the bike shops, oh, yeah. and seeing all that. Oh yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. just had to crazy. be like going to Disneyland. Like, look at this bicycle shop. The only one we got, we got a Montgomery Ward back there. We got a Sears yeah. back in BC. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and but we were lucky up in in uh, in Vancouver. It was pretty early. Um, uh, um, that type type of stuff was already up here. Like I I raced. We had tracks here. Um, nice. 
you know, by 1980, I had already been racing. Yeah. Which which is pretty amazing. You think about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because it's not that far. I mean, we're only a couple hours north of Seattle. Well, as so, I said, I think some of that yeah. West Coast, West Coast USA stuff trickles north, and you guys oh, yeah. get plugged into what's cool pretty quick over there versus people in the middle of like medicine hat or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we would drive across the border to go buy vans or go buy button fly 501s and maybe you couldn't <laughs> buy them up here. So you know, like, those guys I'm are in cool. grade nine. I've got yeah, grade nine. I've got button fly 501s. <laughs> oh, what are those? <laughs> oh, gee, neat. <laughs> yeah. That's a, okay. So what kind of BMX, what kind of BMX bike did you ride? Okay. Well, I mean, what was your favorite bike? I, well, the the dream bike was a PK Ripper, which um, I you know I never did get one. But I had a I can't even remember what it was. It was a custom built bike, of course. Yeah. I went all out on it, just yeah. fully everything and every and searched out every type of part I could, and ordering all the Cook Brothers stuff and all that. And, nice. And, and when, so oh, when did you yeah. hang up your bike? When did you hang up your number plate and get done? As soon as as soon as my dad gave me his uh, 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 a white Fender Telecaster. Oh, really? Uh, and that was uh, my dad was a musician for his whole life, so I was I grew up with with music in the house, and there's always instruments. But then, uh, and then my dad had a music store in really? downtown Vancouver. Yeah, he started it in I think 1956. Wow! So I grew up with that, and uh, and then when he closed the store in the early 80s, he he gave my brother a guitar and gave me a guitar, and I remember plugging it in and. I knew how to play acoustic a little bit, but yeah. the electric was like, oh, oh. and the, the BMX was so oh, sorry. And oh, yeah. It felt, felt pretty lonely after that. And, so you got into your passion you know. of playing guitar. So your first guitar is yeah. a, a, you said a Fender uh, a Telecaster? Yeah, it, it was it was a Telecaster copy. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I still have it. Yeah. But there's absolutely not one screw or piece of it from the original guitar really it has turned into a 1971 fender telecaster i eventually turned it into a a real <laughs> guitar a, a i bought guitar. a neck here and this piece here and then over the lap had it since 1981 so now it's a it's a vintage fender telecaster and so, those come apart with nuts and bolts you know so, so so do you do you uh do you prefer fenders or do you play a little bit of everything no, i i only have one fender but for any of the musicians um watching it's uh i'm as much into guitars and gear as i am the cars like right it's, it's it's ridiculous mostly gibson sgs so, so you know the acdc guitar no absolutely well that's so, what's, so i've got a whole line of those yeah because i thought i all, saw you, all vintage i thought i saw you playing an sg in your video and i was like oh, this is a fender because you know prince played a fender and he's one of the most yeah. underrated guitarists that's out there and um, you know yeah. uh, you know he's he's gone now but uh it's funny when you look at like guitarists and what they play, but a lot of my, you know, a lot of my buddies growing up are in punk bands and stuff like that, like local punk bands. But a lot of them, they started out playing like a Gretsch and then moved into like an SG. You know what I mean? Or, uh, SGs are less balls. For, yeah, uh, SGs are less balls. Heavier, yeah. heavier sound. Yeah. yeah. My, so I've got a, I've got a fleet of those all different years, but nothing newer than 1969. So nice. they're all older. All the amps, everything, all old. So well, it's cool. just. It's a sickness. They call it gas. Yeah. GAS, which is gear acquisition syndrome. Right. <laughs> I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Our other guitar player uh, has, I think, according to the interview we did last week on TV, he, he told the interview he had 56 guitars. Wow. And I've never seen a, a third of them. 
And wow. you show up to rehearsal and well, what's that? It'd be another one, you know, like a 64 <laughs> uh, Fender Jazzmaster or uh, whatever. Right. Just, I mean, I have half a dozen and that, that's enough for me. But it's, it's one of those things where it's like, as you keep going, you keep, you get a better amp, you get a bigger, you know, a, a oh, bigger speaker yeah. cabinet. You kind of just it's, keep, keep moving on and getting stuff. So, but it's the same as cars, you know, it's like you're, you're into that, that visceral kind of thing because it's your input coming out of it. You know, what you build is kind of what you're driving and the same thing with what you're playing. And yeah. so it becomes, it becomes almost a part of you where it's like, like, like with me, I, uh, so I've got my car collection and I, and I shudder the thought of like selling cars. You know what I mean? Oh, like, really? I, I, I kind of don't want to sell that because uh, that car I had this experience in and that one's kind of this. And, and then when I go like on a Saturday morning to hop in and just go, you know, go for a cruise to a car meet on a Saturday morning. And then I get mad when this one's battery's dead and that one's this, you know what I mean? But it's like in my head, I'm only dreaming of the good times, but it's, it's, it's one of those <laughs> things where you, you just keep collecting stuff cause, cause it's cool and you like it. And it's the process I think of, of, the build and the, yeah. I, I know a lot of my personal influence from what I can gather is when I was a kid and seeing Corvette summer, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, here's a, <laughs> here's a guy who didn't have anything. And he built this radical Corvette out and of they the, painted it in one night. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Well, yeah. It's a 19 layer paint job with lacing and all kinds of stuff. It was one Lower night. Camel, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but no, I listen, man, I think, I think it's awesome. At the end of the day, it's all connected. BMX, skateboarding, music, yeah. cars. I mean, it's all connected. It's all these things that make life so, I mean, besides our families, which make life ultimately the greatest thing, you know, music and our hobbies and all that kind of stuff is kind of what rounded it all out. And, and it's awesome, man. I'm glad we've got to chop it up for a little bit. I mean, we, we've been on for a little while now and, and, and we've got, a good long podcast to put out there for some people. And, and I'm looking forward to getting out there and seeing if we can't get some VW people get behind you uh, and request your stuff on Spotify and help you help you attain your goal of kind of making your music a little more successful and getting a little more opportunity to be out there in front of people. So yeah. I think well, it's that's awesome. What it takes. It's, it's networking and we really appreciate it. Well, you know, and, and, and that's the thing it's in the VW community, man. We, we, we support each other for a lot of things that we do. So I think it's, I, I think it's great. Um, I, the music's good music, man. It's good music to listen to. So, uh, Hopefully you get a lot of uh, plays on YouTube and all that kind of stuff after the podcast yeah, airs and we get some people and everybody can kind of it's, jump yeah, it's on and share rocking it. in right now for some reason. I, and I imagine this, this won't hurt for sure. Well, hey, that's so we'll, awesome. Will we see you uh, at the bug-in weekend, anime? Yeah, I will be down. I'll be down there at the bug-in weekend. You'll okay, see. Okay, we'll do a, do a mobile feed. That's it. Yeah, satellite I'll, hookup. I'll, well, I can do live streaming when I'm down there. So I may, I may set up a booth and may have a lounge set up with a bunch of microphones. <laughs> and we might do a okay. Let's Talk Dubs uh, roundtable and just get a bunch of people just chop it up on the mic. So You know what? That's a great idea. You, you won't be able to get Buddy Hale out of there, though. Well, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. A, bit of, he's a bit of a he chatterbox. He and I, we'll, we'll have a nice hug. <laughs> that's it. So... Well, cool, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time and, and, and yeah. sitting down with us on the podcast. We learned a lot about you, and I'm looking forward to see the Ultramaroon card down there at the DKP meet when you get to unveil yeah, it to, to us people down here in the States. So, uh, so Lanny, if people want to people check you out, do you got a website for Lanny Huss's Custom Cars? No, you know what? I, I used to. It's just Facebook now. It's, it's, Are you on Instagram? Lanny has, uh, you know, I'm kind of on there, but I, I don't have time to even update it or do anything, but it's mainly Facebook and, and there's a, a pretty regular, 
uh, updates. Usually, some if I come across an interesting photo that in the shop here, I'll I'll upload it. And people love to see the vans, and they love to see the vans when they're on up on a flat deck for some reason. Those are the most popular ones. Oh, are they? <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Well, let's uh, l- yeah. let's make sure you get to you keep getting some stuff out there for uh, for your Instagram and your Facebook feeds, and uh, we'll for sure make sure that everybody gets out there and supports and do Google search and Spotify request uh, Trailer Hawk. Let's support our our friend Lanny's uh, band and uh, make sure that they get plenty of airplay and plenty of requests on Spotify. So remember, go on Spotify and request Trailer Hawk for uh, station, and let's get these guys some action over there on Spotify. Now is your music available on iTunes as well? Yep. Yeah, it's on iTunes. Perfect. So you guys want to show your support, go on iTunes and buy some songs, man. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, Hey, I look forward to seeing you down in Southern California for the big VW weekend coming up at the end of, at the end of May. So I look forward to that. We'll definitely sit down and uh, hopefully I'll be doing a live stream down there. So we'll all get to people that aren't able to get down to the SoCal scene. We'll be able to get to see a lot of the faces to the names and, and maybe we'll do a round table podcast down there. That's my, that's my goal. Yeah, so that'd be fun. Yeah. That, There's that, not too many Modellos beforehand. So. Right. Yeah. We got to keep everybody, <laughs> keep everybody in the sober tip. So yeah. yeah otherwise, otherwise we'll have a lot of, we'll have a lot of, a lot of censoring to do on the, uh, beep. On, on the mic. Yeah. So well, cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on the all podcast. Right. I appreciate it. Uh, Lanny Hussey, uh, you guys will see one of his cars getting debuted coming up here. You'll see the detail, pay attention to it when you see it. He's a great guy, easy to talk to, even though he's a celebrity, professional guitarist, and all that stuff. When you see him out there at the when you see him out there at uh, the DKP meet, make sure you go up and harass him and give him a hard time. So, hey man, appreciate you coming on the podcast, and we'll uh, we'll we'll check you later. Yeah, thanks, Bill. All right, buddy, see ya. station wagon to have a